ago, I was driving, and I had my son Gabriel and my daughter Emily. Gabriel is six, and my daughter is four, and they were driving in the car with me, and my son Gabriel says all of a sudden, he goes, I know why we won't wear clothes in heaven. I said, why? He says, well, we'll be babies again, and the clothes won't fit us. I said to myself, where did he get this? I said, did he get it from us? Did he get it from school? Did he get it from kids' town? Where did he come up with this? And then it hit me. It's a book that we read to him. And we read to him and my daughter often. And it says, what about heaven? It's a children's story. And it's actually a story about questions that anyone, any age, would ask about heaven. And where any person is going. What our future holds. And it's great. It actually starts off by saying, I know who you are, God. I know I'm okay. But what's heaven about? Will I get there someday? And then it goes through questions that you might ask. And then it gives answers. Answers based on biblical truth. Based on identity and who we are in Christ. Based on our reality on a future destination that has culminated today. And it closes and it says, isn't heaven wonderful? Can't you wait to get there? And it's really neat that for me to read this book and realize the profound impact it's had on me as an adult, I'm really hoping and praying that it'll change my children's lives. But I'm kind of slow. I actually find myself having to re-read it and read it and read it and read it for it to really sink in. In fact, I have to read the companion books. What is God like? Who is Jesus? Why is there a cross? And are angels real? And I'm just amazed as I read these books, the profound truths of God are given because it's all based on the Bible. Now for some of you, you may be familiar with the Bible. Some of you may not have read the Bible. You may be asking yourself, well, how come these people sing about God and they, they talk about heaven? Is that open for me? Well, we hope that tonight and maybe in the weeks to come, you'll find answers that are foretold in this book, a children's book, or told in our lives or something that we believe in. Because that's what we've really been trying to do, especially in this series, the Newborn Identity Series. We've been trying to look at how our bodies are held and formed by God. How the Lord touches our hearts and allows His love and compassion to be there. And how our minds are transformed as we dwell in the Scripture. And the more we tie all that together, we realize our souls were created to be in unity with the Lord. But it's been interesting. Some of us have been tracking along with the series. Others have missed a week here and there. And we're really not sure how it all comes together. So we thought, as a fire leadership team, and I've been praying, that we kind of bring it all together tonight. But you may be uncertain how it all fits together. And I know there's been a person here in the group that's been really trying to wrestle with kind of new life stage and kind of coming to New England and trying to fit in and figure out and find out what it all means to follow God on a daily basis. So I'm actually going to call Stacy Thoreen up here, and I'm going to do an interview with her and kind of see how it's been fitting for her with the series and looking at these aspects. <laughs> I jammed it in there, probably. Um, it, hopefully it's on. Is it on now? There we go. Great. Um, Stacy. not everyone uh, may know you, so first tell us a little bit about yourself sure. and how you got here. Sure. My name is Stacy Thoreen. I'm 26 years old, and my husband Kyle Thoreen's with me tonight, sitting over there. If you can wave, Kyle. We're life community leaders. We lead a couples group here with Fire. Uh, we actually came to Minnesota in August of 2007. Massachusetts. Sorry, we came from Minnesota to Massachusetts in the August 2007. Thanks, Kyle. And um, yeah, we've been here since. Um, let's see, prior to that, I grew up in northern New Jersey, so I'm kind of familiar with East Coast and a little bit of New England, but that's not technically no, New no, England. Not, not even close. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I did kind of root for the Yankees a little bit when I was younger, but that's a this little, that's a the past. Time, okay? That's the past. Okay, good. good. And it's gone. <laughs> All right. Red so, Sox Nation, that's mm -hmm. good. That's good. Yep. I went to school at the University of Iowa, and that is where I became a believer when I was a sophomore. 
uh, in college. I was 20 years old. Okay. All right. Yeah. So Minnesota to Massachusetts. You have mm-hmm. a thing about M State. So we okay, got that out. So. How has it been? How has the transition been coming to New England? You know, to be honest, it's really kind of been an identity crisis um, in a lot of ways. Um, Minnesota, we left behind some really good friends. We left behind um, my in-laws, my husband's family. Um, we left behind a really good church. Um, I left behind a, a job where I had a really good manager um, and kind of started new and started fresh. And it was a really, it was obviously a long drive. And it's been a, quite the process, too. It's been exciting. It was an, it's been an adventure. It's also been pretty challenging. Well, the adventure part you can briefly hit on, but we also, I think, are kind of intrigued why it's been challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be honest, um, when we left Minnesota, I was working full-time pretty much up until we left. We came out, and my husband started working, like, seriously. I think it was, like, three or four days after we just got into town. So I was kind of left in the apartment, and I was unpacking things and organizing, and it was a real kind of soul-searching time for me. Um, I knew I needed to take some time off. Um, cause I had supported Kyle through graduate school and, um, it was just, you know, first two years of marriage, it was a lot of transition, a lot of change. And, uh, through the unpacking and through the organizing, uh, really realized that, okay, there was a lot of material things that I had that weren't glorifying. I don't, I don't think they were glorifying to God. I really feel like God was saying, it's time for you to let this go. And that was really hard because there's emotional attachments that we have to material things, um, and then it was also kind of a looking at my heart kind of process, um, looking at, you know, kind of what brought us out here and then where did God really want us to go? Where, how did he want us to get involved with church and, uh, looking at trying to get back into the workforce too. And how's it been going? I mean, you've been here several months now. You found Grace Chapel. It sounded mm-hmm. like you were missing a church there. Mm-hmm. We won't ask how it compares. We'll just trust <laughs> that it's going well for you. Mm-hmm. But you know, you said you had an identity crisis. Mm-hmm. H- have you, so to speak, gotten yourself, you know, right with God and right with mm-hmm. yourself? Yeah, you know, um, there was a lot of things, like I said, through that whole process of kind of trying to simplify, I guess, our apartment a little bit. Um, some times that I really had to go before the Lord and really bring some things to Him. Um, and um, just, uh, I know I kind of sound a little vague. I mean, I could go on and on about what those specific things are. And certainly if anyone wants to talk to me afterwards, I can certainly go into more detail. But um, basically just um, really, um, I, I don't know, like having all that time off, it was kind of like, oh, some days it was like, this is great. Some days it was like, oh, I wish I was working. And just really struggling, too, and, and even struggling with some past things, too. Um, I came, I, I grew up in a pretty challenging family, um, a family where there's alcoholic addictions and um, emotional identity issues, depression, broken relationships, no boundaries, um, yes, even stealing and lying, and family members getting in trouble with the law for that, and um, really just having to kind of, I don't know, laying that down and just knowing that that's not, that's not who I am. And that's not who God wants me to become, but just kind of having that time to kind of wrestle with that. And it was very vulnerable. It was really scary. It was kind of like this, who am I? What am I doing? Why did we come here? <laughs> nothing against Massachusetts at all and nothing against Minnesota, but um, that's just kind of what it boiled down to, really. And um, through that time, through that process, I mean, the Lord has provided a job for me. I'm working again. And the Lord has also provided an opportunity for me to, to reestablish, recon- it's interesting that versus up there, reconciliation with my brother and my, my parents. Um, we went for, um, I will be honest, for almost two years not talking um, because of a lot of those things that I had just mentioned. And um, really having to come to a point where realizing God wants me to forgive, and that's what he's called me to do. Okay. Is there... there- one thing that you might want to share that just really allowed you to find comfort in this time or mm-hmm. any anything that... Sure. Um, I think just the moments that I would have with God, um, it wasn't necessarily sitting down and reading the Word. It would be like, I guess I could share one instance when this was actually uh, during uh, Holy Week, during Easter Week, I was actually walking up our hill to drop off our trash, and um, a gentleman actually stopped 
like I was actually like, I guess I should back up. I was walking up the hill and I was kind of praying a little bit and kind of talking with God. And the gentleman stopped and he said, can I take that up for you and, you know, to dump it into the trash bin? And I said, sure. And as the guy drove away, I felt like that was like the Lord's way of saying, let me carry your junk. Wow. You know, let me wow. take that for you. Let me handle it. And I was, I was pretty blown away, like, that the guy would, was willing to do that. So it's been like little moments like that, trying to look for those moments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I could share even more um, moments like that, but just those instances uh, where I think kind of look out for God moments, I guess. It's not just in going into the word, I would say, but. Okay, okay. And then I know you have something you want to share with us in a moment, yeah. but I want to just thank you. I want to have everyone thank you. Thank you for sharing very much. You're welcome. Thank Thanks. Sure. Um, so this song you're about to listen to, and there's also a YouTube video to it. It's a song by Natalie Grant. It's called um, Better Hands Now, and it's, a, it's an absolutely beautiful song. Actually, my husband and I, we just heard it a couple weeks ago when we were visiting in-laws out in Minnesota. And um, I just want you to listen to the words. It really struck a chord, for me at least, um, just how I think sometimes our relationship can be with God. I mean, like I said, I've, I accepted Christ when I was 20, and I'm now 26. And I know that the Lord's brought me through a lot in those past six years, and he's brought me through some big trials that I would have never thought of either. Um, but how I can be assured that I'm in better hands now. So there we go. I guess that's the end. All right. What a beautiful song. Thank you for introducing that to us. Um, as I shared before the interview with Stacy, I, I said, um, how the fire leadership team has really been trying to come up with something that would really hit home for all of us and something that we could all tangibly experience because one thing that is kind of 20 and 30 somethings is we're always looking for an experience we're always looking for a way to think and act differently a way to look at ourselves uniquely and we hope that the first week when we talked about our bodies especially the image for me that was just so compelling was when we held up the mirror and we said that that's a two-way mirror and that God is behind the mirror looking at us. And the way we should see ourselves the way God sees us. And then the second part of the series, Joanne was up here and she was talking about our hearts, you know. And how we need to get our hearts on the rhythm with God. And when we have our hearts beat for God, then His blood fills us. And we have His whole life source flowing through our, our, our body, through our blood. So that His love is real in our lives and it can be given to others and then the last time we got together two weeks ago we were really looking at kind of the imposter syndrome and we said stop you know don't believe the mind games that you play in your head and allow the truth of christ through the scriptures be, be be revealing who you really are so i thought it'd be great tonight to just kind of do a litmus test to check in and see how we're doing with this all right so i'm asking a couple people to help me we're actually going to take a quiz right now okay and it's a simple quiz. Don't worry, we're not going to grade it. You don't have to hand it in. It's for you and you alone. I want you to hang on to the quiz. Okay, you can review it later tonight. Or you can look at it tomorrow or a couple weeks from now. But this is a quiz for you and you alone. We're going to give you three to five minutes to take the quiz. It's just real easy. Read the statement and check off the box. Don't spend ten minutes Rereading the statement, just kind of initial reaction. All right, so go ahead and take a few minutes and, and answer this quiz. And there's pens. Yes, there are pens. If you need a pen, just raise your hand and someone will uh, throw you a pen. You don't have to raise your hand, but if anyone needs more time, just kind of give me a little, little nod or something, all right? All right. My lasting identity is my newborn identity, which equals my eternal security. Who we are in Christ matters today and forever. If God gave us bodies, and He also holds our hearts, and He's transforming our minds, then why don't we look like it? 
if your family, friends, or the people you work with were to look at you, would they see that you are created in God's image and were specially designed to be a blessing in the world? Toby McGuire, an actor many of us are familiar with. He's acted in movies like Spider-Man, Cider House Rules, Sea Biscuit. Actually has a flat effect. He actually could be considered someone who's unflappable. He's never phased. He actually is consistent. Maybe people would say he's kind of the rugged guy with, you know, the real inside strength. But I find when you look at his face, you really don't really know who he is. There's really nothing there. You're left kind of guessing what his identity is. Now, if we were to take a picture of you or to ask you to pull out your identification in your wallet, what would the picture reveal about you? Are you someone staid and kind of cautious? Or are you someone alive and filled with passion because Christ is your Lord and you're living for him? That's the real question for us tonight. A few months ago, Larry Johnson came to Grace Chapel for Men's Big Monday. Larry Johnson is actually on WEEI. He is a sports commentator. And believe it or not, he's also a cartoonist. And if you go to um, ESPN, you can actually go and look at some of his uh, sports cartoons that are really, really, really pretty funny. I mean, he's a really talented guy. But he came that night and we asked him to talk about, is there life beyond sports? And Larry Johnson did a great job talking about this celebrity and that. And he really kind of came to a conclusion that really fame and fortune is left flat if you don't have courage and character. And he says courage and character comes from a life lived for Christ. But then he gave one particular story, a really current story. It's a few months old now, but I think because we're in baseball season, it will really ring true still for all of us. And he started talking about Roger Clemens. And for many of us, Red Sox, you know, compadres, we know when Roger was on our team, he could do no wrong, and we were rooting for Roger. But now that he's on the evil empire just south of here, Roger got caught up in the steroid scandal. And he was put before the commission, and he, he lied. He said, I'm not doing it. And yet his best friend, Andy Pettit, was put before the same commission. Now, Andy Pettit is a man of God. And he was torn because he knew Roger wanted to have him protect his name. He knew Roger would do the right thing and stand by him. But yet Andy Pettit, a man of God who experienced Christ in his life, had really heard the truth and modeled his life for that, was really caught in a moral dilemma. What should he do? Well, he decided to speak the truth and said that, yes, he saw Roger and that the accusations were legitimate. He lost Roger's friendship. He gained another notch on integrity. Because his identity in Christ carried him through that really difficult, demanding time and allowed him to stand secure in his faith. Now, I can't ask you the same question because I don't know if you're taking steroids or not. I don't think anyone in here is a major baseball player. I know I'm not. But there might be some things that you have to face on a daily basis. For example, do you have the courage to get up when you want to sleep in on a day and go to work. What is the right thing to do when someone gives you extra change when you're checking out in line at a grocery store or at Starbucks? Do you pocket it or do you give it back? See, Andy Pettit said right from the get-go, what we do now matters forever. It's important as Christians that if we say we're Christ's followers, then we should do what Christ said and follow in his footsteps. Every single day, we have choices that we have to comprehend and we have to make and we have to deal with. 
So our identity in Christ comes from that and it really relieves us from the peace and security that comes. Now I have a question again. And it's a real simple question. And it has to do with understanding this whole identity in Christ. You see, I think it's a new paradigm. It's hard for us to experience something new and actually live differently. If it's something that changes our thoughts and our actions, it probably takes time to do. And I imagine that you've already experienced this in some degree in your past. For example, maybe it was when you left home to go to a dorm room. Or you left to live in an apartment with roommates. Or perhaps you, you left high school and you started to attend college. Or maybe you joined a sports team or a club or some association. And by joining that or moving or attending, you had to really leave your old life behind and you had to really come to a new paradigm. You had to think and act differently. Just think about one of those experiences that you've had in the past. Where really you had to look at life differently. Look at your relationships differently. The way you interacted, spoke, maybe even the way you dressed. Take that one experience and take a few minutes and share that with the people around you. Go ahead. If you don't know each other, introduce yourself. When I, uh, when I went off to college... When I went off to college, I never realized how life would be so different. I went to Norwich University, the military college of Vermont. I got a uniform to wear. I got my head shaved. I even got a new name. I was called Recruit Shoop, or Rook for short. I learned new things like, oh, dark 30, PT or physical training. We had surprise room inspections. I had to shine my shoes, shine my grass. I had to keep my room clean. I had to have my bed made. I had to eat square meals. I no longer was the kid from Andover High School. I was a new person. I was a cadet, or at least a cadet in training. You see, the military life breaks you down to rebuild you into something new. You think about your life experiences and some of the past things that you took for granted or the way you thought and acted were just kind of on autopilot. And when you walked into a different scenario, a different paradigm, a different life, you had to learn how to act differently, think differently, react. And that's what we've been talking about with this series is really looking at the identity in Christ, the I am statements, who you are in Jesus is who you are now and will be forever. And what happens is we get so caught up in the who we were that we can't allow the future reality of who we are impact today and the who we are now. So let's just kind of talk a little bit about some scripture and a little theology. And you've got to bear with me for a minute. I'm going to kind of do this quickly and then I'll slow down, okay? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which I actually think is an incredible parallel to what is heaven all about, it is an incredibly rich chapter in the Bible that I would encourage you to read it. Reread it. Reread it in different translations. And by the way, read it again. Because it is full of questions about who we are, who will be resurrected, and what we will do if we know we're going to be resurrected and how that impacts our life now. So let's just talk a little bit about resurrection. Okay? Let's talk about Adam, and what is called the second Adam, or Jesus Christ. Okay? For those that may or may not know, there was an original human couple created by God in His image. The first man was called Adam, and the woman was called Eve. And Adam had a choice to live in the garden and have great fellowship with God. And then, something happened. Adam and Eve were deceived, and they had a choice to obey God and do what He had said, not to go near this tree and eat its fruit, or allow the deception to come in and disobey God, turn their back on Him, and do what they want, which is what they chose, and they ate the fruit, and from that point on, their relationship with God was severed, and from then on, anyone born through them, after them, would have a beginning basis of zero, null set, severed relationship with God. 
That's what happened with the first Adam. So all of us are born into the world physically. We have a physical birth through our mother and father. And that's what we're born with, is we're born with humanity. We're born with who we are. But we don't have a spiritual birth. And that's what the Scripture passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about. Jesus came, the Son of God. He came in the form of a human being to be able to live and walk and talk and love and do miracles, miraculous things that only God could do. Why? So that He could establish a right relationship with you and me, with His Father, with the Lord God Almighty. And it says pretty much that I and the Father are one, and whoever believes in me believes in Him, and we will be united if you trust me to forgive you of your sins. Now, these tricky people in Corinth were asking questions about resurrection. And this passage in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 answers these questions like, well, did Jesus really rise from the, the grave, from the dead? And Paul answers kind of like anyone would answer today. Well, if he didn't have victory over death, then everything we're preaching, everything we're talking about, everything that we believe is built on a lie. But if he did rise after being crucified, then, my gosh, everything that we're talking about is true. But not only that, let me tell you, there were eyewitnesses. Not only the disciples saw Jesus, but over 500 people, eyewitnesses, saw Christ alive. Paul gives us a compelling argument on this. Well, then he goes on from there that if you believe in Jesus and put your trust in him, then you die as well. That your past, your history, your physical being dies with Jesus. And you have a spiritual birth. You are reborn in Christ. So now, as Jesus rose from the grave, seated at the high hand next to God, we also rise and sit with the high hand next to God because we're in Jesus. So let's just think about your life for a minute, okay? Let's kind of give a picture here, okay? Here's the historic timeline of humanity. Very long timeline, going way that way, and we're not sure how far it's going to go that way because I can't draw a line far enough into eternity. But we have Adam. And then a couple thousand years come by, and we have Jesus. And then a couple more thousand years, and we have you. We have your birth. Now let's go back 2,000 years. Jesus came to earth. He was born. Crucified. For all humanity. To take on all the sins, ungodliness, unhealthy habits, things that sadden the Lord. He took on that cross to forgive you, forgive me. And through that forgiveness, allow us to have victory over death. To allow us to have eternal peace, hope and security and trust in Jesus Christ, the Father and the Holy Spirit. Now, what's amazing is, here you are, 2,000 years later, and you come to a personal relationship with Jesus, you are teleported back in time because God is outside of time. You're teleported back in the time and your sins are given over to Jesus. And He takes them. And His life is a sacrifice for your nature. You die that day of your old ways, your old self, and at the same point as you go down, because your life is dead, when Jesus comes up, you come up too. And you're a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. So what does it look like for us to understand this new paradigm? Well, the terminology is something like you're no longer a sinner. You're now a saint. You're no longer feeling guilty. You're now forgiven. What is amazing is when we start to realize that right now, in Jesus, through Jesus, we're in heaven. We just got to wait now 
for our body to get to that reality. But our spirit, our hearts, our heads can know the truth now and can prepare for that future reality. Someone once said it's like your body, which Paul addresses in this passage, is like a seed. That as a seed gets planted in the ground, that seed has to change. It has to actually die being a seed. It cracks open and new life comes and shoots up. What's interesting is your body, because of the original way you were born, your original nature is flawed. It's dying. It's decaying. Like it or not, you're all dying. We're all dying. You may die tomorrow or you may die 40 years from now, 60 years from now, but your body is dying. What's needed is it's actually rejuvenating. It's being ready for a glorified state, a new body. Because when your body dies, it's like the shell of a seed coming apart. And the new body comes. And it's a better body than the one you have now. But it's united with your spirit so that your spirit and body are perfected. They're purified. They're made righteous in the holiness of God so that you will be who you will be now and for all eternity. Now, I tell you, that's great news because I got a lot of flaws in my flesh. I got a lot of ungodly habits that I'm still hanging on to that I got to get rid of. And I want to go back to that men's night with Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson knows that a lot of us waffle back and forth. Am I safe and secure in Christ? Am I living like Jesus? Is the Lord sending His Holy Spirit in me? Am I really one that's going to trust and believe Him in everything that I do so that my thoughts and actions align with the Lord so that when I'm kind of contemplating whether to skip work or tell my friend the lie or show up late somewhere, I realize that I either am going to stay with the worldly ways and get caught up in the culture and do those things, or I'm going to stand true in my identity in Christ. So Larry Johnson actually did something that some of us are comfortable with, some people aren't. He made an invitation to the men that were gathered there that night. He actually asked people who would like to invite Jesus Christ into their life. He did what is called is an altar call. He had everyone close their eyes and he started to pray. And then he said, if you'd like to receive Jesus into your life, raise your hand. And a couple of people apparently raised their hand because he said, yes, yes, and okay, great. And then he did something. He asked them to stand up. Now, I don't know about you, but it's, it's challenging enough to raise your hand. But he now asked them to stand up. And then he actually did something even more bold. And here I am, the pastor of men's ministry, standing next to him. What is he going to do now? He invited them all to come forward. At this point, I decided to sneak a peek. Four men came forward that night. He prayed over them. He asked them to follow the salvation prayer, which is just a simple prayer of asking Jesus Christ to forgive one of sins and the place your trust in Jesus for all eternity, which begins now in trusting him to change your life. Well, when he was done, he knows that what we know. He knows that changing to our eternal reality, impacting the way we live now, is difficult. Because we are so steeped in the ways we used to act and think. He started to ask questions. He asked this one man, he says, so um, what happened to you? And the man said, I, accept, I accepted Jesus into my life. He says, how do you know? How do you know Jesus is in your life? She says, well, well I, I opened my heart to Jesus. So? So what does that mean? What does it mean you open your heart to Jesus? She says, well, well, I followed the prayer that you prayed. She says, tons of people pray that prayer. So you open your heart, you pray the prayer, so What? He says, well, I believe that Jesus died for me and forgave my past. He zeroed in like a bee. And he said, 
You believe that Jesus died for you. And the man said, yes. And he turned to the second man. He says, and what about you? He says, I believe Jesus died for me. So what does that mean for you? What does that mean tomorrow? What does that mean in a week? What does that mean in three years? And the man says, I believe that I'm different. That I have been made in the image of God and that I am a new person. He goes, new? What does that mean? He says, I'm no longer ungodly. I'm no longer a bum on the street. I'm in Christ. And Christ has chosen me and resides in me. I'm a new creation. Why? Why are you a new creation? Larry was peppered on me. He was just like going back and forth. Boom, boom, boom. The man said, because I believe. He says, do you feel it? He says, I don't know. He says, good. Because it's about belief. It's about trust. It's about truth. Don't get caught up into the emotions. That's what so happens with you and me in our generation is we want to experience God. We want to go to church or a group like fire and we want to worship so well that it will carry us through the week. We want to hit Monday and Tuesday and we want to be like, I'm a Christian because I sing. I'm a Christian. I read the Bible and it comes true in my life. We get so hung up on our our feelings and our emotions. But that's not what Larry Johnson was teaching the men that night. And I hope the Holy Spirit is teaching us now. It's based on truth. It's based on belief. If you believe in the Scriptures, and you believe they were written through human vessels by the Holy Spirit, so that that divine inspiration allows Jesus' very words to be written down for us to read, so that we know what it means to believe and have that belief accessible 24-7 whenever we crack the book or go online to a website like BibleGateway.com and we can read the Scripture and allow it to be so indelible into who we are, it becomes who we are. So that we reject our past and we realize that our past was truly nailed on the cross and was made dead. But as Jesus rose and was alive and lives now, we too are alive in Christ, like we sang earlier. That is the reality of who we are. Paul concludes this passage. He says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now I'm going to slow down a little bit. You may or may not have placed your trust in Christ. If you have not, maybe tonight is your chance to do that. Maybe over the weekend if you attend the retreat with us. Maybe in the weeks to come. There are a lot of people here who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and can answer any questions that you may have. We hope that that what we're doing here is being able to have encounters with God and share that experience, share that truth, that reality with each other. But now for those that believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus and you have hope and security that you're going to go to heaven, how does that hope and security affect who you are now? It has to affect you so much so that your whole life reflects God's love, reflects His mercy, so that everything that we do now is like water and minerals and nutrients to like a budding seed planted in soil. Or when the plant starts to grow and you spray miracle Grow on it and it gets healthy and vibrant and more blooms and blossoms. The same is the way we live now affects our future bodies. Sean McDonough, who is a New Testament scholar up at the seminary, 
Gordon Conwell, he talks about it this way. He says that the bodies referenced in 1 Corinthians 15, these bodies are called spiritual bodies. Not spiritual as invisible or not really real, but a body that can endure the outpouring of God's glory through His Spirit. Right now, we have a natural body. The life we inherited from Adam and Eve. This is the flesh and blood body. You put it near God's glory and it pulls away. It covers up. It runs and hides. Ultimately, it would be consumed by God's glory. When we get a glimpse of God's glory, we can't handle it. It takes God's power for us to endure His full glory. We need to be glorified with a spiritual body to dwell in the presence of the glorious God. To be able to dwell in eternity before the Lord, we have to have a body free from the way we were naturally born. And we have to have a spiritual body that can endure, that can handle, that looks forward to the Lord God Almighty. It would be like on a small scale, on a sunny day, if you were to try and look up at the sun, you and I both know you can't do it. But if you were given brand new eyes that could endure the look, the gaze on the sun, then you wouldn't be afraid to look up. The same is with your state for eternity. If you believe in Jesus Christ and Jesus died for you, then you are going to get a perfected body, a body glorious in nature and state, united with your soul, free from this world as we know it. Wow. Powerful. But if you're like me, I hate to keep using that terminology, but it's so true. You have great victory in Christ and you stand solid in your identity and then something happens and you fall back on your old identity or something sneaks in and starts to erode your foundation of faith. Well, something that really helps me is to kind of look at feelings versus reality. So this paradigm came from a great book um, by um, Bill Gillum. And the book is What God Wish Christians Knew About Christianity. And he came up with this chart. And I'm just going to kind of walk through the chart. What I think I feel about myself versus what God says about me. Okay? I'm too weak to resist sin. Christ freed me. From sin's controlling power. So if you're doing things that are habitual and you can't be free from, maybe you tell a lot of white lies, maybe you deceive your parents, maybe you're surfing on the internet and looking at things that you know are just horrible to most people, but you just find yourself just going back and you do it. And yet you believe in Jesus Christ. Call on God and this truth. That you're free from sin's controlling power. I feel like God has given up on me. God has never forgiven up on you. I am neither condemned now or, or nor in the future. I feel like no one loves me. I am fully accepted in Christ. God loved me so much He sent Jesus to me, to the world. He loved me so much that He has given me a new name, a new position, an eternal reality. He knows my name. He knows every hair on my head. I know I'm not a saint. All who are in Christ are saints. You are a saint. There's a great Randy Travis song that talks about baptism. And as he sings a song about baptism, he talks about as the man who went to the waters, went down as the act of his old nature going down in the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. When he comes up out of the waters, he has a new life. He's a new creation. He comes up and he sees saints gathered on the shore. We are saints. 
I'm such a failure. I'm hopeless. I'm always in his triumph, despite appearances. I'll never change. I've already been changed. I'm a new creation. The old things have passed away. I know that no one is righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. It is Christ's righteousness. There is nothing that I could do to earn heaven. There is nothing I could do to make God accept me for who I am. It took my faith and belief in what he was offering. He was offering his hand. He was offering his grace. He was offering his love. And that's really where it begins. You can come to church. You can worship. You can read the Bible. But if you don't accept the hand that's being reached down from God above and say, I believe in you and I want to be loved and I want to know what that love is inside and out to my core identity, then you're just going through the motions. But when you really reach up and you believe and you know that nothing will take away that truth, that reality, and you can read about it in Scripture, you can sing about it in song, then that becomes who you are. I have no parents. I'm a child of God and His heir. I'm inadequate and lacking. I'm complete in Christ. I'm on my own to live alone. Christ will live in and through me. Something interesting when I was... uh, studying and preparing for this series, I found out that the comments about saying that I am in Christ versus we are in Christ, it's a 10 to 1 ratio that I am in Christ versus we are in Christ. So put it this way, oftentimes, and and, and Joel kind of slipped on it a little bit when he was praying, and he, he said that, you know, may Jesus, you know, be in us and that be our identity. That is true. But the more full reality is that we are in Christ. That we make up the body of God. That everything that we are resides in His blessing, His love, His all incredible mercies. That we are in Christ is an over-consuming reality. And that is our identity. I'm on my own to live alone. Christ will live in and through me. I would have made it if I only won the lottery. Isn't that our culture's mantra? Play one more scratch ticket, buy one more megabucks. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. I'm the last one chosen. I am chosen personally by the Lord. He chose you. He extended His hand. I feel guilty all the time. I am forgiven. I worry about my future. My glorious future is set in spiritual concrete. For those that trust Jesus Christ and put your faith in Him, your name is written in the book of life, the Lamb of God. I feel insecure and anxious. I've been sealed with the Spirit. I am safe. It's really hard, I know, for us to really allow Scripture to wash over us because our identities have been seared, severed, and marred with our own family origin, our background, maybe even career changes. We find insecurity everywhere we turn. Maybe you have been really successful and you started to invest for a rainy day or retirement. And you realize as you look at your statements that you're losing more than you're putting in. See, what happens with our earthly relationships and the things that we collect and possess, they cannot stand the test of time. It's only Jesus who's outside of time, that created time, that allows us to realize that this timeline that I mapped out 2,000 years ago, Jesus was here, 2,000 years before that, Adam Well, the amazing thing is when you accept Christ, you're on that timeline. You're going forever forward, forever future. Eternally, you are going to be with God. And that is something that you can take home and you can rest in and find peace and security in no matter what day, what week, what happens. That is amazing. The Casting Crowns actually sing a song 
that goes back and forth. And I think it's an amazing song because as more and more I heard it and the more and more I read the lyrics, I realized that that is something that is so true. And the way they wrote it, it sounds like it's not. And you'll see what I mean, okay? The name of the song is East to West. Here I am, Lord, and I'm drowning in your sea of forgetfulness. The chains of yesterday surround me. I yearn for peace and rest. I don't want to end up where you found me. And it echoes in my mind, keeps me awake tonight. I know you've cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. And I stand before you now as though I've never sinned. But today I feel like I'm just one mistake away from you leaving me this way. And then the chorus. Jesus, can you show me just how far the east is from the west? Because I can't bear to see the man I've been coming, rising up in me again. In the arms of your mercy I find rest. Because you know just how far the east is from the west. From one scarred hand to the other. You do not have to let your past well up inside of you. It's been nailed. It's done. It's dead. You can allow the reality of Jesus' love, compassion, truth, and sacrifice on the cross that made you new, gave you a new identity, an identity rooted in reality forever forward, for all eternity, that affects the way you think and act today. That is who you are positionally now and will be for eternity. Now we celebrate that and we can live it because we rest in his incredible arms. We swim in his sea of forgiveness. Now as we close tonight, we want to hand out a couple of bookmark, uh, a bookmark to each person. This bookmark summarizes the whole series. It talks about who you are in Christ. And this bookmark can be something that you read every single day so that if you do have this past trying to sneak up, creep in, you can defeat it with the reality of who you are, with the truths found in Scripture. This bookmark compacts it all together, simply straightforward, and it shows who you are in Christ and allows that identity to be accessible to you, whether you want to put it in your Bible, put it in the book, put it next to your computer, put it in your car. I really encourage you to go ahead and and take a bookmark. If you don't want the bookmark or you feel the bookmark is not for you or you're going to take it home, you're going to put it with some other collection of paper, don't take it. This bookmark is for you. And as you hold on to this bookmark, I'm going to ask Yanni to come up here and actually play a song for us. And as you read the bookmark, enjoy this truth of you found in this song. And then I'm going to come and close us.